podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Hamden Roar Podcast, the next episode of our On The Plane mini-series looking at what players are playing themselves in and out of contention for the Euros squad. Joining me, Andy Barge, as usual, Tartan Scarf blogger Gordon Shiak and Media Scotland journalist Ben Ramage. Guys, there probably haven't been too many changes to the way that we've, we're seeing things in the squad since we, we last did a podcast, but there are maybe a few interesting points to pick up on, especially with somebody who's playing in a, a Mediterranean country, uh, borders borders Spain, I think. Um, he's getting quite a lot of attention online. Uh, his name escapes me. Um, but Gordon, before we dig into the big player pudding, let's talk about the UEFA situation with stadiums and where they actually might be hosting this country because there was an update today or an alleged potential update yeah there was um i was remembering back today to where we found ourselves the last time we we met each other virtually of course and back in january obviously we were talking about ticket refunds um and the key date that we were talking about then was sort of the 5th of march being the date that uefa were looking for host cities to basically say what their capacity was going to look like in june come up with a couple of different uh, I, concepts for the, the capacity of fans they were going to be able to allow in. Since we spoke, um, they've changed that. They've moved that decision back to April. Um, obviously, you, you can look at that a couple of different ways. Maybe it's a good thing that they're they're waiting until the very last minute to make that decision to try and make sure that as many fans as possible can get to games. Or maybe they just don't want to announce the bad news too early. Um, but then, of course, like you said as well, there's been a lot of speculation in the media um, today. To journalist Tancredi Palmieri, who works with BN, he's also a contributor for Gazzetto dello Sport in Italy, quite a well-respected guy. He was claiming on Twitter that UEFA are quite close to agreeing, uh, scrapping the entire 12-host city concept and moving the entire tournament to one nation, with that one nation potentially being England. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean... From my perspective, I think if, if they're going to move it to one nation, I think the most important thing is that this, the, the tournament has to happen. We can't have the tournament postponed. I don't think the calendar would work that way. We can't have it cancelled because we're, we're bloody qualified. We can't, you can't do that to us. It has to be played. But perhaps if it is only going to happen in England, I mean, it would seem a bit strange if they limited it solely to England when... On this same island, we've got Hamden that is a host city. I'd be baffled if games got taken away from Hamden in that uh, in that outcome. But yeah, what do you guys think? It, it's well, well, Gordon. It's, it's funny you, you make that final point there because I got a reply to I, I put that point out on Twitter as well. Um, you know, if if this means that the tournament goes ahead, then then so be it. Um, and I got a reply from a guy called Stuart, uh, big Scotland Everton fan. Um, according to his Twitter bio and Halloumi enthusiast um, he replied saying that he believes that the leaked document that Tancredi Palmieri has seen 
um, suggests that it is the UK as a whole and that he reckons that Tancredi Palmieri is just kind of confusing the UK and England as being the same thing. One and the same. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if that would mean that Cardiff uh, or Glasgow would would, uh, would be involved. Yeah, you'd certainly think so. Yeah. You'd like ben, to think so. Ben, how does it sit with you, all of this? Yeah, to be honest, I think every every previous edition has been in one country, so I don't... I don't see the issue. I, I really like the the general idea of having it in more than one country and sort of sharing it with everyone. But when you look at the hand that we've been dealt, that's just not going to work this summer. I, I just feel like at the moment, everything should just be about getting this virus beaten. And why why not just keep this idea for the next, you know, 20... My math is terrible. What was that for? 2024. That's what I write and I don't do math. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just keep it, and we can ho- hopefully do it properly the way that they envisioned it. Once the virus is totally in the past, you know, on the on it being in the UK as a whole, I think that makes sense. Um, we've obviously got a hell of a lot of massive stadiums that obviously help with social distancing. I think that would that would give you a good chance of getting a fair amount of fans in. Um, I think it being in England isn't the worst idea for us given that we would potentially get some into Wembley but again it's just also up in the air the goalposts keep moving all the time yeah we, I, we I don't know games, but I've almost resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going and if anything you know if anything else happens then it's a bonus but at the moment I just can't see it yeah I I, I have to agree with that Ben I mean I think the the place I'm at, sort of emotionally speaking, is that I feel like I'm I'm beyond the idea of getting to attend these games. I just I just don't think it's worth almost getting excited about because the disappointment would be too strong. Um, I mean, frankly, myself and my, I'm I'm currently re, I've replanned my uh, my wedding, which is actually taking place nine days before our first game at the Euros. And the fact that I'm sweating on holding a wedding ceremony with less than 20 people at it and whether I'm going to be allowed to do that and then thinking that nine days later we're going to have tournament matches with potentially thousands of people, it just doesn't seem to it just doesn't seem to compute with me at all. So, yeah, um, get the tournament happening however way that happens, but I, I just don't see fans at it. Yeah, it, it's, it's certainly going to be muddier. Um, as the next few weeks go on, I expect, as Ben said, the goalposts will change and change and change again, and we'll we'll have to wait until, well, at least mid-April, until we actually have a fair idea of what's going to going to happen here. Um, moving on to more Scotland-related things, squad selection. Um, for anyone who's just tuning into this mini series for the first time, what we've been doing is breaking up the, the Scottish pool of players into four sections. Um, for the European Championships, so players that are guaranteed to be in the squad, they're on the plane, those that are likely to be there in the departure lounge, those that might hope to be there are waiting by the phone, and then those that have got no hope or have played themselves out of the squad are booking their own holiday. So we'll, we'll go through it as usual, guys, uh, from back to front, starting with the goalkeepers. I think that we we kind of reached a, a common ground last time. I, I've made one slight change to mine. Uh, I, I still have Marshall and Gordon as on the plane. Um, I did have John McLaughlin on the plane, I believe, but I've moved him back to waiting by the phone alongside Liam Kelly, who I think might be able to play himself into the third-choice position um, because he's playing every week 
at Motherwell and is, is a cracking keeper, whereas McLaughlin is you know, sitting on the bench. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think if um, if I was to make any changes, I think I think Scott Bain, if he's he seems to have now established himself as number one goalkeeper at Celtic, obviously it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Lennon leaving, John Kennedy taking over, if Bain continues to be Celtic number one. I think if he is Celtic number one between now and the end of the season, it's maybe hard to see him not being in the squad. So I've got him in the, in the departure lounge just now. Is Liam Kelly a better goalkeeper than Scott Bain though, Ben? It's hard, to, it's hard to tell because Celtic have been so poor um, and Motherwell have also been struggling, you know, shipping a hell of a lot of goals. So it's it's quite hard to, to really judge. Um, I've got Kelly as well in the departure lounge and you've got Robbie McCrory as well. Uh, I was quite lucky to see them both recently playing against St Mirren. But unfortunately, St Mirren weren't very good and they had very little to do. So I was hoping <laughs> I was going to be able to judge them properly and in the end, they hardly had anything to do. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, Robbie McCrory is only 22. I think if you're going to take a keeper, we've talked about the third keeper just going for experience. Is it maybe better to give the younger boy who's maybe got a better chance of going on to be, you know, a top keeper? I'm not sure. Um, I think it'll be between the two. See uh, which one plays more football probably between now and the end of the season. Robbie McCrory, Gordon, any twinkle in your eye there with the mention of that name? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, we've we've spoken before about the sort of the general age demographic of Scotland's goalkeepers. You know, Marshall and Craig Gordon are obviously both coming towards the end of their careers. So you do really have to keep one eye on who's going to be who's going to lead this next generation of Scottish goalkeepers. I would like to see the third choice keeper go to a development place because let's be honest, they're they're not going to play at the Euros. They're going to be there for the experience. So it all depends on where Steve Clark thinks these guys' careers are going to go. You know, if it's is it Liam Kelly? Is it Robbie McCrory? Um, they've got between now and the end of the season to make that case. And I know things are very unlikely to end up in a scenario where the third choice keeper plays, but I'm just not willing to take that chance, guys. I think that if a keeper gets injured in the the days leading up to the tournament or the the first game, and then all it takes is for the subkeeper to to get sent off or something like that. It, I know it's very unlikely, okay, and I couldn't even tell you if it's happened before. But it's possible, and I would rather that we had someone who was playing most weeks. Let's because let's face it, McCrory is second choice keeper at Levy just now behind Strychek. Yep. Um, so I think that Ben or Kelly is probably a better shout than than him, in my opinion. Is uh, McCrory not in the sticker book though? I think he is. <laughs> he's only been pre-selected by Panini, so I, I, I think he's. I think he has to go contractually. Well. Okay, that's something that's maybe been an oversight on my part. Apologies. Um, okay, so moving into the defence, assuming, and I'd say that the chance chance is that this formation will stay, we'll, we'll get a better idea against Austria and Israel and the Pharaohs next month. Assuming that we are playing three at the back, um, and that's the squad that Clark, the formation that Clark has in mind for the squad, uh, the defenders, uh, so not including the fullbacks. Um, on the plane, I've got Tierney, Declan Gallagher, McKenna and Cooper. Uh, there is one name missing because I've moved him into another area of the squad. Um, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys have any advancement on those or are any of those guys not on the plane for you? Tierney, Gallagher, Cooper and McKenna. Um, I would just... 
I would question McKenna just now, just simply just because he's injured. Um, I don't think he's played since about the 20th of January for Nottingham Forest. Um, obviously, he will hope to be fit by the time of the Euros, but if he does end up missing out in March, then you never know, that might count against him. I mean, we've spoken before about the former Grant Hanley, who continues to play every week and captain the team that's romping to the championship title. I mean, that's a guy on hell of a good form. And if you're thinking about, you're really looking at these guys being the profile of the backup of Gallagher in the centre of that, that three, I don't know how, I don't think both of them go, to be honest. I think it's Hanley or McKenna. And right now, for me, that's Hanley. Ben Hanley's in the departure lounge from me. Where is he with you? Yeah, he's in the departure lounge as well. And again, it's maybe one that you're just kind of going to have to wait and see. Um, I do rate McKenna, and I, I like the move. I think it will suit him. But as Gordon's alluded to, Hanley is is playing every week, and he's playing bloody well. And I'm sure that was he get, he was due to be called up, I think, before he got injured. Um, so Clark obviously rates him. Yep. So I think that'll stand a long way. Um, I would imagine he'll be in the squad for the World Cup qualifiers, and we'll see then. Uh, whether he gets put in the deep end or not. Absolutely. Um, I think interesting as well, despite their form over in Belgium, and they're, they're getting quite a lot of traction on Twitter, uh, Hendry, uh, Jack Hendry and David Bates, for me, still well on the periphery, given the other names that we've mentioned. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think I would agree. Um, and also, I didn't see the game tonight, but reports of... Uh, Royal Antwerp's defending against Rangers in the Europa League um, maybe makes you think twice about the standard of the Belgian league, perhaps. Um, you know, sometimes you can hear good things about a player, but you do need to think about the context. So maybe Hendry might not be the answer to all of our prayers. I did, I did think that Hendry might have been an option as somebody else to play on the right side of defence. Maybe not for the Euros or immediately mm-hmm. in this uh World Cup qualifying group that we've got um, well the, the fixture's coming up anyway but if McTominay has moved back into midfield the reason that he is there is because he's quite handy with his feet yep. oh, what a weird turn of phrase um, <laughs> he's, yeah. um, so I think that uh, Jack Hendry is, is another defender who has always been fancied throughout his career more so because of his ability on the ball rather than his, his stalwart defending yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he almost got, uh, it was almost held against him that he was good with his feet at Celtic and that he wasn't good at the sort of meat and uh, bread and butter stuff as a centre-back. But I think if we were hoping to push McTominay forward, which I guess we might come on to, I'd certainly be in, in favour of that. Um, then Hendry maybe long-term could be could be viewed as a successor. But again, like we said, maybe just a wee bit too soon for him. Unless, of course, I mean, I know we've spoken a, a couple of times about the fact that obviously going into March, we're going to have a bigger squad. You know, guys like your Hendrys and some of the other guys we might come on to that are more fringe players, there's really nothing to be lost from calling them up into a bigger squad for March. And especially when you've got a home game against the Faroe Islands, when hopefully we might not have that much defending to do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be massively opposed to seeing a guy like Jack Hendry potentially starting at home to the Pharaohs. You know, give him a tran- give him a chance, see how he fits with the squad, and uh, and go from there. Yeah, uh, if there is a game, then that will probably be it. I don't fancy just chucking him in against Austria and Israel when we probably no. are <laughs> at least four <laughs> points. Really, um, I couldn't see Clark going for that. No, no. Uh, okay, fullbacks. I think Robertson and O'Donnell certainly hold the jerseys on either side. Robertson yep. is not going to lose his, his captain of the team. Um, 
O'Donnell uh, is in pole position. Um, certainly, I think it's fair to say for the right wing back jersey. The competitors, I don't have any on the in the departure lounge. I've got Greg Taylor and Palmer both by the phone, and then beyond that, I've got Aaron Hickey uh, and a name that's been thrown at us on Twitter a wee bit. Um, and I've put them as booking his holiday as Nicky Devlin at Livy. Uh, Sean Rooney was another. Look, they're, they're having good seasons, um, doing well for well the teams that are in the cup final this weekend. It's, it's great. Um, but in the Scotland squad for the Euros, not for me. Where do you guys sit on the fullback situation? Yeah, so I've got Robbo and KT. I've got KT as a as a fullback, but I, I think we, he probably will maybe go into centre back. Uh, I've put O'Donnell in the departure lounge. I, in fact, I might make an on-the-spot decision and bump him up to on the plane. Having having watched him the other night, I think you know now that he's stayed with Motherwell until the Euros. That was the that was the thing that was maybe putting me off a wee bit. But I think I think he's experienced now and he's he's got good athleticism. I think he's a, he's a dependable sort of right back. I think Clark will be happy with him. Um, yeah. Palmer, oh, sorry, got, sorry uh, Palmer, I've got in the departure lounge and Taylor mm-hmm. by the phone because I think, as we've said, I don't think he's going to take maybe three all-out, full-out um, full left-backs, uh, left-wing-backs because Tierney can slide in and play that position. So I think due to the small size of squads, I think Taylor's probably a long shot at the moment. Yeah, I, I think I think I think I would certainly agree with an awful lot of that. I think um, for me, Roberts and, O'Don- and O'Donnell are the only players on the plane from the fullback position. As you said, they've they've got the jerseys right now. Um, I I don't see us taking another left back to be honest in the squad when it comes to the summer. Um, simply because we've got Kieran Tierney who can play uh, centre back or left wing back. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the, saw the goal that Kieran Tierney scored. Tonight for Arsenal, but absolutely sensational. I mean, he can that that kid can play. Um, you lo- you, lo- you love to see him do those things. Um, so then, really, you're only looking at who else might go on the right side. I do like Liam Palmer. I've spoken about that a lot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Hickey in the squad next month. As we said, bigger squad, perfect chance to bring him in, try him in training, see how he gets on. That doesn't mean he's going to go in the summer, but. He's clearly got a big future ahead of him, so we may as well may as well bring him in now, get a good look at him. What about your stance on the, the Scottish-based players there, Devlin and Rooney, that were mentioned? I'll be honest, I don't feel like I've seen enough of them this season uh, to really uh, to really have a judgment. I mean, I'll happily defer to your guys' judgment on them, but I feel like you you do you do see this quite a lot that you know a guy in the SPFL Premiership will have a phenomenal season and a, a groundswell of support will come behind him. It's whether or not they can continue that over a longer period. And, you know, international football it is a big step up. Of course it is. Um, but yeah, then, of course, you know, you, you look at, like, Nathan... Look at look at Nathan Patterson coming on for, for Rangers as well, tonight as well. You know, with, uh, with Tavernier injured for a bit, you know, he, he comes in, comes off the bench tonight, 16 seconds later, he scores. <laughs> Again, another potential... I've I've commentated on about six or seven St Johnston games this season, and Rooney is a good player. He certainly benefited from McNamara heading back down to Millwall, um, so he's he's had more opportunities in the last couple of months than than he did at the start of the season. And he is on a good game at the moment. He's an aerial threat. 
but I'm I'm not sure that that's that's enough to propel them right up into the the national team squad at the moment. Devlin doing well at Livy. I haven't seen as much of Livy as I have St Johnston, but again, I'm, I'm not sure that it warrants a place in the Euro squad. Um, I think if no. say if let's say if O'Donnell and Palmer were were injured, then then yeah, we're looking for the March games if they were injured and one of them might get an opportunity. But while O'Donnell and Palmer are fit, able, and ready, um, I, I can't see any other right backs overtaking them. Yeah. Especially just with that consistency of selection that Steve Clark's obviously worked on. We've talked before about how O'Donnell has gotten better with every single cap he's played. So, yeah, I'm more than happy for him to carry on. Midfield, central midfield. First name I need to throw at you is Scott McTominay. Is he in this department for you or still a defender? Because we have heard rumours and I'm sure even Steve Clark quotes um, that McTominay is very much uh, in consideration for being pushed back up the, the pitch. I think the form that he's in for Manchester United is quite hard to ignore playing in that position. And for me, if he's one of our best players, would you rather have a best player in central midfield where they can run the game? Or would you rather have them a centre-back where, yes, he can come out, he can step out and make a pass. But for me, he's going to have more of an influence in the middle of the pitch. And his frame and his size as well, I think he's actually a really good physical presence. So to me, I think he's actually probably going to be more effective for us in midfield. So I'm definitely on team rescue him and put him back in midfield. Gordon? Yeah, well, I think I'm certainly, I'm on I'm on team play Scott McTominay. Because every game, start him, play him, because I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal football player for us. Um this will be giving Steve Clark so many headaches. I mean, I think my usual thinking as a general rule of thumb with international football is you play players as close to the system and the roles that they play for their club teams and you've got the best chance of getting the best out of them for international duty considering you've only got such a short time to train with them. So with that in mind, you would say Scott McTominay goes into midfield. Um, as Ben said, he's been phenomenal for Man United recently. He's added goals to his game. He brings a hell of a lot of confidence. The only question is, who does he replace? I mean, everyone always tells me on Twitter that Scott McTominay isn't uh, an out-and-out defensive midfielder, so he doesn't necessarily take Ryan Jack's position. Does that then mean he takes potentially Kyle Gregor's position? Maybe Jack McGregor, sorry, Jack McTominay McGinn potentially as a midfield three? I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, I've certainly been underwhelmed with McGregor for Scotland more than I have because when you see him play for Celtic, you know, he looks unstoppable sometimes. Whereas when you see him in a Scotland shirt, that's not always the case. So on current form, I would probably take McTominay at centre mid over McGregor. Uh, I agree that Jack will probably be the holding midfielder. And I think Clark for the system. And I, you know, I think that's really important to Clark. But yeah, for me, I would have McTominay over McGregor after this season, especially. That's a tough one. And I'm struggling to to nail my colours to the mast because McGregor's a Sit great... Sit on the fence then, it's fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> McGregor... What do you need to do in midfield? He's a class player, Callum McGregor, isn't he? But I'm trying to think how Scotland would set up. Gordon, you mentioned there the uh, three in midfield, Jack, McTominay, McGinn. I'm, I'm, with, I'm assuming then it would be Fraser or Christie yep. or Armstrong maybe just off Lyndon Dykes. I prefer the box idea in midfield rather than like a 
three and then someone just buzzing around the striker. I like the idea of having Jack, who I think will, if he's fit, will play. Uh, so Jack and McTominay or McGregor, and then right in front of them in like a square shape, the four of them. For me, Armstrong and McGinn are the are the four, and then I would have Dykes up front. So I would have McGinn and Armstrong both coming forward to support uh, Dykes uh, and get beyond. Um, but the the McTominay McGregor Jack conundrum is is fascinating. If if McTominay's going to get moved back into midfield, McGregor, and I, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I've heard from more than uh, more than a few people that Clark is his biggest fan. That he absolutely adores. Cal McGregor, uh, and that probably suggests that he's going to be in the team. That he loves the way that McGregor trains, the example that he sets, his attitude, his talent, ability, everything. Um, but Ryan Jack has proved crucial, I think, recently. So it would be even harsher to drop him, given the form that he's shown for, for Rangers, who are absolutely cantering to the league title and are in the last 16 of the Europa League. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I recently, I, I, maybe now's the right time to tell you guys, I did cheat on you guys recently. I did do another podcast. <laughs> Outrageous. The, the topic of the, please take me back, take me back. The the topic of, of the podcast was about Scotland's midfield, solely that, and good grief, yeah, the the complications, the combinations, the complexities, it's, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. But you know what? It's a good problem to have. Let's be honest. We've got some phenomenally good players who are playing at a very high level i mean in the premier league in the europa league and it's great i mean if we're going to speak about maybe a couple of guys who are maybe falling down the pecking order i've got dropping down maybe even down to buy the phone guys like john Mc, john fleck and kenny mclean i just i'm not seeing a lot from their form this season that maybe merits a place in this conversation so I think they, I think those two guys, even though they've been in a lot of squads recently, I think if anyone's going to drop out, I think it's going to be those two. Uh, I agree that John Fleck uh, is probably pushed down the pecking order. I actually have him by the phone. Um, now, with the names that we've mentioned there, though, where does Ryan Gold is on the lips of or on the fingers of everyone online? Um, I I wonder is he really, really deserving of a place in the squad much more than Kenny McLean or David Turnbull. Now, and this is not me saying that Gold is overrated or whatever, okay? I've seen his stats and I've seen a few highlight reels of him this season. He's obviously doing really well out there. Um, I, I put to you, though, that when a Scottish player moves abroad, they, they become a better player overnight, almost. Um, there's a romanticism to it. Um, and probably a, um, and a bit of an embellishment maybe um, about their their uh, what I'm looking for credentials for for being in the squad, right? And I know that Gold is doing really well, and I would not be adverse to him being called up. But you made the point about Grant Hanley at Norwich, McLean's in that team, is playing for a team that is running away in English Championship any less impressive than being one of the stronger players in a poorer team in the Portuguese top flight? Well, I think the the way I'd answer that, well, first of all, I would say that McLean's maybe, I think he's maybe only started about 50% of their games this season, whereas Grant Hanley is, he's Norwich City captain, 
he missed the first two games, I think, with injury, but he's played every game since. So okay. uh, McLean is certainly, he is not as ever-present. Um, Golds, I totally take your point. It is easy to sort of romanticise Scottish players when they go abroad. Um, and you see... I think there's a comeback story about Gold, which is lovely, though. There is, there is. But you see, the thing is, I think I would have, I would have accepted the romanticism argument when he first went to Sporting because it was... He's gone to Sporting. That's the club that developed Cristiano Ronaldo. He's going to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo. It's so it's so amazing, and obviously that didn't happen. The reality did not match the dream. But now he's at a club that seems to suit him. Obviously they're down the bottom of the table, but he is their absolute talisman, and he is outperforming his teammates every single week in that league. And also, let's be honest. I mean, the Portuguese Primeira is is a far stronger league you know rankings wise than than the scottish premiership so do when you're comp- I, I can't help but think that when it comes to a sort of wild card midfield position it's going to come down to turnbull or gold and i feel like maybe just the home aspect of it maybe weighs it in turnbull's favor but is what gold's doing arguably more impressive than turnbull maybe or do we need to compare them can I, we just have both yeah it's it's a cracking debate um the numbers speak for themselves, Ben, with Ryan Gold. David Turnbull's got some cracking ones too, though. Yeah, I think with Gold, what really impressed me, I'm quite like you, quite sceptical, especially after seeing him at Hibs on that loan spell. I just thought, you know, to put him into the international fold would be just such a massive, massive jump. But when you look at Gold's stats, what's impressive is that he's actually at the top of the entire league, which is compared to players for Porto, Sporting, Benfica, he's actually still at the top. He's not just the best in a smaller team. He's yeah. actually the best in the entire league. So I totally understand the calls, and I would not be against him being called up for the World Cup qualifiers because, as we keep saying about having a bigger squad, you know, get him into training and see see how he compares to everyone else because that's the only way you're really going to see where he sits alongside the likes of Armstrong and Christie, you know, the creative midfielders that he's trying to replace. The only way to really judge across the whole board is for Clark to get him in and just see how he does and I would not be against that at all for us it's obviously a lot easier to look at Turnbull because you know we've seen him come up for years and he is now probably the only bright spark in Celtic season and for me Turnbull is the right age I'm not sure what the age difference is actually between Turnbull and Gold Turnbull's 21 Gold's 25 I think yeah I think Turnbull has the potential to be another John McGinn type midfielder, an absolutely fantastic, creative midfielder that can create you goals, that can score goals, that can do everything. So for me, I would be putting more emphasis on developing Turnbull. And for me, getting him into the squad early is really important. Get him used to the system, get him used to the players, you know, it's not a case of building the team around him, but for me, he is the future of Scotland's midfield. Yeah. We've all got the, the same names on the plane then. Jack McGregor, Armstrong, McGinn, McTominay, if he's a centre midfield in, in your eyes for this game. Uh, where do Turnbull and Gold sit then for, for you two in our little system? I've got Turnbull in the departure lounge and I've got Gold by the phone. I'm yeah, I'm... Yeah, I've I've got I've got both Turnbull and Gold in, in the departure lounge because as I said I've got a really horrible feeling it's going to come down to one of one one or the other when it comes to those guys. Um, 
but then sadly one one name that has changed since last time we spoke that we were very excited about a month ago I think Billy Gilmore's booking a holiday um, I mean it sounds like it's going to be a staycation at this rate uh, with <laughs> yeah. COVID but uh, sadly I think Billy Gilmore will be will not be in the squad in the summer yeah, I have him booking a holiday as well Ben yeah I'm the same it's a shame obviously there was the rumours about him going to Rangers which was obviously a nice narrative him going back but I just want, you know, if he had and if he'd been playing in the Europa League, if he'd been dominating games, you know, he, he might have had more of a chance. But as you say, I think the the lack of game time is just going to go against him in that midfield where there's just so many options. Yeah, but but yeah. I think, do you know what, like the thing, the thing that makes me comfortable about Billy Gilmore is that he's only 19 years old. You know, I mean, his time will come. His time is just not right now. And that's okay. You know what? That's absolutely fine. Because frankly, the worst thing for Billy Billy Gilmore would have been if he was thrown into that Scotland midfield in March. And then because he's actually not played that many games this season, you know, we said about golf when it comes to romanticism versus reality. If you actually look at the reality, I think I think um, Billy Gilmore's only played about 130 minutes this whole season. You know, if he was to get thrown in for his first cap in March, and not be the reincarnation of Xavi and Iniesta combined, you know certain Scotland fans would want to hound him and say, oh, he's done, he's finished, no, he can't, he's crap. And that would just be the worst thing for him. So I think slowly, surely, his time will come. He's a special player, he's a special talent, but yeah, it's just not now, unfortunately. Up front, there, there is one man I think we will all have on the plane, Lyndon Dykes. Yep. Yep, correct. Is Ryan Fraser there with him? Yeah, he is for me. I think I think Clark really liked that system when he had the two playing together. I think there was a bit of a spark and there's a bit of... They, they balance each other really well. And Fraser's also very quick and very uh, talented. I, I, you know, Technically, I think he's really good. So I've got Fraser on the plane now that he's back fit. Yeah, I, I, I think he certainly will go... Um, I think his flexibility as well. I think we could have spoken about this with so many different players in this squad. The flexibility that uh, Ryan Fraser gives you as well is that if you need to switch to a winger system, to a 4-3-3, Ryan Fraser is just as comfortable out wide as he is playing off the striker as well. So, yeah, I fully expect him to be there. A player I've got in the departure lounge, um, and this is just based on the opinion of a few recently retired players that I was chatting to recently um, through work. Uh, for me, I wouldn't have them there, but they are convinced that Oli Burke will go to the Euros. Uh, so for that reason, I've got him in the departure lounge. Uh, I, I don't like it, but I think that because his attributes are pace, power, and something a bit different that managers like to rely on sometimes to get beyond the defence that they might they might end up going. I mean, the, the two guys I was chatting to were are convinced that he'll be there. Yeah, I think I, I jumped on the um, the Burke train uh, the last pod we did. Like you say, I think he's got all the raw attributes there. Um, and Clark obviously sees that as well. You know, he's probably got a lot of people telling him that as well. So... I'm I'm not averse to him being in the squad. Um, I, I wouldn't have him on the plane just now, but I could see him being in the squad for the World Cup qualifiers, and then again maybe see see what he's see what he's up to just at the moment. 
Yeah, I'd probably say Gordon that he's he's been better than his uh, club mate McBurney this season as far as club form goes. You certainly could say that. Yeah, um, I I, th- I think McBurney's prospects of actually even making the squad are getting less by the week. Um, I've got McBurney down by the phone. Um, and I think as well, the the recent form of Lawrence Shankland has probably played a factor in that as well. I think Shankland's hitting form at just the right time. And if Shankland's included in March, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily see us taking more than two centre forwards in the squad necessarily. Because as we're saying that a lot of the people that we're going to play up front are going to be attacking midfielders or wingers that can just play off a Linden Dykes. I think it's going to be Dykes plus one. And that plus one could very well be Lauren Shankland. If you're talking about Lauren Shankland, is he more of a conceivable call-up now than Kevin Nisbet? Yes, definitely. Yeah, you look, I think, as as Gordon touched on, I think the, the form is just massive. And you look at Nisbet, he scored once in his last 10 Prem games. Now, I know some of those are sub-appearances after his wee yeah. um, falling out over the whole transfer thing but for me I know his record is still decent but for a team that's third in in the premiership I'm not actually sure it's as good as it maybe should be if you're the if you're the number one striker and you're getting all of the chances or a lot of the chances his record isn't actually that impressive and I know Shanklin's isn't over the course of the season but he's got three in his last three games and Dundee United have actually finally started playing some football. I think most people have agreed that they've been pretty horrendous this season well, to watch. They've been effective, but they haven't played very well. Whereas Shankland has grown into it now. His, his hitting form, I think if he continues to score for them, he has a better chance of getting in than Nisbet, especially when you think that he's already capped. You know, yeah. Clark has talked a lot about you know, trusting players and being true to the players that got him there. Well, I know Shanklin wasn't a massive part of that, but he has been involved. You know, I, I can see Shanklin beating Nisbet to this other sort of striker's spot. One other name, Scottish-based name, that I'll put to you that is down by the phone now for me is Lee Griffiths. Yeah, I think the I think the, the point I was maybe just going to make um, with Ben there talking about uh, Shanklin is that if there's one position in the team that you are going to base a lot of your decision-making on current form and confidence, it is that central striker position, which is why I think Shankland, it plays into Shankland's hands right now that he's he is hitting form right now. I mean, you saw it in the Nations League games that we played after, uh, after we qualified, that when McBurney started up front, he had chances that a confident striker would have scored, and he was not a confident striker and he didn't score them. So you do need that. Um Sorry, I've forgotten what player you even asked me about. <laughs> we were, about someone we else. talking about Griffiths. Griffiths, yeah, Griffiths. So, yeah, um, I think Griffiths obviously has the ability. He obviously has the talent. It remains to be seen how his place in, this, in the Celtic squad is going to play out for the rest of the season now that Neil Lennon's away. If he, if he hits a run of form, if he hits a run of... Uh, if he gets minutes, he gets starts, he gets goals, obviously, I think he will be front of the queue to jump ahead of some people, but as it stands right now, I, I see him maybe outside the departure lounge, maybe by the phone. There are only, I think, nine league games left. Is that right? Um, Something like that, yeah. Celtic are yeah. in European football. Who knows what's going to happen with the with the Scottish Cup? So they, there's not actually too many games left. 
does that mean that it might be too late for James Forrest to make a proper run for it? Yeah, Forrest is a tough one, actually. You know, I know he's got a hell of a lot of caps, but, you know, as we've touched on so many times, they've not always been brilliant performances. Um, and with so little time left, he's going to have to seriously prove his fitness um, because no one's going to go to this um, this competition half-baked. Um, yeah. I, I'm guessing from what we've sort of been reading that he's not going to be fit for the, the qualifiers in March. So, again, that's more, you know, more times yeah. that other people are playing ahead of him. And at what point... I don't, I don't think he was good enough that he's an, an instant starter, you know, once he gets back to fitness. I don't I don't think he was that pivotal to the squad. Um, so that'll be... Well, especially... Especially the way that we're playing now. I mean, we've not necessarily we've 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 seen Ryan Christie and Ryan Fraser play that sort of role just off Lyndon Dykes in this new system that we're playing. Uh, I think James Forrest has only played about one game for us in this new system, and he played it at right wing back in the First Nations League game against Israel, and Israel got in behind him time yeah. after time after time. So I yeah. don't necessarily know where James Forrest fits in this new system. You know, I I wouldn't necessarily want to see it at right wing back. So. Yeah, he's got a big task on his hands. Um, I think. I think if I if I'm to throw one last name into the hat is, again, you know, we spoke earlier about the you need the need for players that can maybe fill different positions, given that we're only going to have 23 men. So a name I'd like to consider and a guy who's on some cracking form just now is Cam Patterson, because frankly, I don't think there's a position on the pitch he can't play, or I've not <laughs> seen him play apart from maybe goalkeeper. I'm delighted you said that because I was just about to say I hope you're about to say Cam Patterson. <laughs> Because yeah, I think I think he scored five. You know, between the end of December and the start of February, he's powerful. He's strong. He can play up front. He can play right back. He can play right wing back. I imagine he can. I think he can play in midfield. So we talked about maybe taking a utility player. And for me, there's one that has caps. Is on form. Is strong, quick, athletic. You know, for me, I I think I've got him by the in the departure lounge. I think he's he's really close to going and he has been called up before with Clark, so I, I think Clark's a fan as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that ties everything up. Lads, next time we do one of these we'll be talking about the Austria, Israel and Faroe Island games. God, they're, they're creeping up. In fact, is that a month today? 25th? Is that the, the Austria is, yeah, game? Exactly one month. Gosh, right, okay. Well, good stuff again. That was enjoyable as usual. So, we'll get back together for the qualifiers when they come round. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.